I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to Episode 7. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Today, I want to share one of uh, the most significant influenced <laughs> influences in my life, a woman that I never had the pleasure to meet, and I like to say that when I get to heaven, she's right after I spend about a million years with Jesus, then I'm going to start looking around for her. Her name is Ruth Bell Graham. Ruth Bell Graham, uh, she's best known, I suppose, in general, uh, in the general population by being the wife of her very famous husband, Billy Graham. But that's not really why she has influenced my life so much. Uh, I started reading her writings when I was a brand new Christian. I was in graduate school. I worked at a Christian bookstore. And um, her book of poetry, Laughing, Sitting by My Laughing Fire, came out uh, in the probably mid-70s, I believe it was. And uh, I loved it. There was just something, I don't normally read a lot of poetry, I need to, but I don't, but there was something about her poetry that was so accessible, so transparent, and so joyful, uh, but also very honest with her pain, Um, so it wasn't, you know, kind of a makeup job where everybody looked good and airbrushed, it was really a window into her heart and her life. I started digging, being <laughs> being a person who likes to dig for things, I started digging around, and as the years wore on, uh, a book came out that she herself wrote called It's My Turn. It's My Turn was published by Fleming Ravel in the uh, early 80s, and I loved this book and read it probably multiple times and then must have given my copy away. I finally found another copy and um, it's really just, you know, Ruth, well, let me tell you a little bit about Ruth and her life, why she is, I think, the person that she is and what shaped her, what was her spiritual formation that made me want to grow up to be like her. First of all, most importantly in my mind, she is the child of missionaries. She was raised in China, and her dad, Dr. Nelson Bell, was a surgeon. Her mother was also uh, involved in the medical work there in China. And Ruth and her two sisters, Rose and Virginia, and her brother Clayton, all were raised uh, in China. Ruth was the second-born child, and she was full of mischief and pizzazz. And she and her sister, Rosa, who she's very clo- was very close to as an adult, um, were so naughty, and they would fight so much together that when the parents were working down in the hospital, the servants would place bets on which one was going to win because they were always fighting and scrapping and having these terrible wrestling matches But uh, Ruth grew up with a love for the Chinese people and a love for the lost. Her childhood, in her mind, was very idyllic, but it was the farthest thing from idyllic to an American's mind. She was raised with warring bandits shooting outside the compound every night, and she said it sounded like the sound of firecrackers going off, but it was not firecrackers. She um, 
was sent away to, well, her mom homeschooled her. And then she and her sister were sent away to boarding school for high school in northern Korea. Of course, things were very different before the Korean War. And um, she was so homesick for her family because she loved her family and she loved her life in China. They used to read out loud at night. Every night, the men, the male missionaries uh, in the compound would read out loud and the women would do needlework and... um, work with their hands and they would read the classics and her dad was a an athlete he was very high energy he would ride around in a little motorcycle with a sidecar he was just a mischief himself and everyone loved him in China he he made such an impact on the people there that when Ruth went back in her later years, uh, she got permission to visit China when things started to open up after Nixon's uh, reign. She went back to the city that she was raised in, saw the buildings, of course, that were in very much disrepair, but she met some of the older Christians uh, there in China who said, your father's influence, you have no idea, and we, we love the Lord, it's because of him. And, um, and they were teaching the next generations, of course. So when Ruth was sent off to boarding school, she prayed for the second coming before she had to leave her boarding school. And once she was there, she cried herself to sleep every night for months. She would put a pillow over her head and sob. She loved her family. She loved her parents. And she loved China. As the years wore on, uh, it was time for her to go to college, and her parents decided that she was going to go to Wheaton College. And so off she went. Her parents, by then, full-blown war had broken out in China, and her parents had to leave the States multiple times, but they were always the last ones to leave. The um, ambassadors and people, the State Department would say to her parents, you must leave. And Dr. Bell would say, we cannot leave our people. We cannot leave them. And so they were always, whenever there was, you know, a war crisis situation, they were always the last missionaries to get out of um, the country. But Ruth went to Wheaton College, and she was as naive and innocent as anyone could ever be. She got into trouble for breaking laws on the college campus that she didn't really take very seriously coming off of a war-torn missionary childhood. But she was very, very popular. She had one pretty dress, her black dress. That was it. All of her clothes were homemade. But there was a gentleman on that campus that saw her and immediately took a shine to her. And his name was Billy. And he ran up a set of stairs while she was standing in one of the um, halls there at Wheaton And she said to herself, now there's a man that's in a hurry to get someplace. And later when they were doing ministry, after Sunday morning, they would all go out and do street ministry. She heard him pray. And she said to herself, that's a man who knows who he's talking to. And they had a kind of bumpy courtship because Ruth wanted to be an old maid missionary in Tibet and Billy did not feel called to the mission field. He really felt called to be an evangelist. And they went through some hard times. But they worked it out. And it was the romance of the century. Everyone on campus was praying for them, all the professors. And everyone just felt that they were so right for each other. 
Uh, Billy took a small church uh, after college, actually before he even graduated, and Ruth said that was one of the biggest mistakes he ever made. It just wasn't a good fit. And then he actually was made president of a Bible college, Northwestern College in Minneapolis, and she said that also was not a good fit, but they made some wonderful relationships. And as a result, the Billy Graham Association is um, housed in Minneapolis because of that experience. But Billy started to get invitations and to travel, and Ruth and he had to figure out how to dance through, you know, just the drama of their lives and the long, long separations, Ruth said that her experience at boarding school prepared her for a lifetime of goodbyes. And when Billy would leave, she would be left alone. And so she decided, well, if I am not going to be able to go with him, um, then I need to live somewhere where I'm happy. So she moved to Montreat in the Carolinas, North Carolina, where her parents had retired at a Presbyterian kind of um, church and settlement there in Montreat, a lot of elderly missionaries. And Ruth uh, lived with, Billy and Ruth lived with them for several years after they got married. And then Ruth and Billy bought a house across the street from her parents. And as Billy became to grow more and more famous, um, the tourists started appearing, looking in their windows and picking flowers off of their lawn as souvenirs, and things got really out of control. And Ruth had three children at that time, Ruth and Billy, and Billy and she were given an opportunity to look at some property up on the top of the mountain there near Montreat. And Billy went away on a speaking engagement, and Ruth went to the bank, borrowed the money, and bought the land. And I believe she she paid about $45 an acre for this absolutely magnificent mountain land. And when Billy got back and she told him what she'd done, he said, you what? But Ruth had to be independent or she would have never survived all the long separations as a really single mom for most of her children's lives. She had Anne, or I'm sorry, she had... um, I think it was Bunny, that was their fourth, if I'm getting that right, um, up on the mountain. And when she was going to build uh, the house, she drove through the mountains with asbestos gloves in an old Jeep, and she would buy used logs from the mountain people, from buildings that were falling down or not being used. And the whole house was constructed out of used wood, she found a huge piece of wood that was a diving board at the city dump and used that for the mantle, and she had it carved in German from a hem um, on the top of their mantle. And Ruth uh, went through some really hard things. It was hard being married to someone who was gone all the time. They also had several prodigal children as the kids grew up. Franklin, in particular, gave her gray hair and indigestion, but she was just as feisty as he was. And some of the stories she tells about Franklin starting smoking when he was three because the men who worked on their property would throw their cigarette butts down and Franklin would grab them and smoke them. And the working men, up the mountain men, they all thought it was hilarious. Ruth obviously did not. And um, all that Franklin put her through and much of her poetry and her writing talks about it. 
Their other son also is a prodigal for a period of time, and they've had some real heartbreaks. But Ruth was a woman of prayer and the word. And her children talk about every morning when they wake up, they would always see their mother on her knees with the word of God open, praying. And when they'd go to bed at night, they'd see the same thing. She was a journal keeper, kind of disorganized. Billy likes to tease her because he's very type A and she isn't. And she would write things down in journals and little scraps of paper and things. But as she began writing, all those things came together and, and really enriched her writing and the lives of anyone who reads her books. So It's My Turn was her first and, and um, Sitting by My Laughing Fire. Then she wrote a book called Legacy of a Pack Rat, which I have read so many times. And each short little page is just um, a thought, a quote, a story, a poem. And it's it's just, you feel like you're your heart is being scoured with goodness when you read her books because she's so convicting and yet she's also so honest and so real with her own struggles. I think her most uh, transparent book was the book called Prodigals and Those Who Love Them. Prodigals and Those Who Love Them and telling a little bit of the story of their sons. Then people have written books about Ruth, and I'm so glad they have. Her neighbor up on the mountain was a woman named uh, Patricia, I can't even say it, Patricia Cornwall, who is a well-known mystery writer. But before she ever wrote mysteries, she came from a very poor, I believe her mom was a single mom, and Ruth being Ruth always was doing secret things in Montreat, finding out who needed money, who, who couldn't pay their college tuition at the college there in Montreat, and secretly and quietly bringing food to people, uh, doing secret things. Always uh, the pastor there became a very close friend of hers and Billy's, and he would call her up and, and he'd have another one of his little kind of lost soul needs with some of the students, some of the people in the town, and Ruth would never say no. She would always quietly, in the background, uh, provide for people, serve people, go and make curtains for someone when they're gone. Or um, One day she went to bring a casserole to someone when they were at church, and she noticed the oven needed cleaning, so she cleaned the oven, then put the casserole in the oven, and when the woman came home, not only did she have lunch, but she had a clean oven. That's the kind of woman Ruth was. So Patricia or Patty Cornwell came to her and said, Ruth, I want to write a book for you. And Ruth was sick in bed with a fever. And she said, okay, honey, whatever you say. Then when she got well, she said, what? Wait, what? And she said, I want to write a book on you. And she said, absolutely not. And then Patricia Cornwell said, well, if you won't do this, that would be the most selfish. That would be the only selfish thing I've ever seen you do. So... Ruth gave in and they wrote a book which was called A Time for Remembering, the Ruth Belgram story, won the gold medallion. And I read it over and over again. I love um, the anecdotes. There's just so much humor in Ruth's life. Footprints of a Pilgrim was a kind of dramatization of Ruth's poetry interspersed with anecdotes from her writing that was performed there in Montreat and was made into a book afterwards. 
And then I believe after uh, Ruth's death, uh, a book called Ruth Bell Graham Celebrating an Extraordinary Life was compiled by Stephen Griffith, who was one of the gentlemen who would help her with her other books. The last book I want to share with you is not the story particularly just of Ruth. It's actually the story of her father, uh, Nelson Bell. Nelson Bell, Billy Graham said, was his biggest influence of his life. It was his father-in-law, of course, but he was also a senior statesman in the Lord. And so many of the policies that Billy Graham created in terms of financial integrity, never being alone with a woman, all the things that prevented his ministry from crashing and burning, um, really, he said, came from the influence of Nelson, Dr. Dr. Bell, Nelson Bell. The book is called A Foreign Devil in China, A Foreign Devil in China, and it's written by a very well-known author, John Pollock. Um, Billy said, Dr. Nelson Bell was one of the major influences in my life and ministry. In fact, as I look back, I'm convinced that one of the reasons God in his providence allowed Ruth Bell to become my wife was so that Dr. Nelson Bell would become my father-in-law. I love that quote. It's such a uh, humility uh, in Billy Graham to be so teachable and to honor Dr. Bell the way he did. Ruth has gone to be with her husband and the Lord in heaven but she had many uh, exploits of crashing cars, multiple speeding tickets. Um, she loved any animal, was afraid of nothing, and um, had some illustrious friends that she was very influential in their lives, people like Barbara Bush and um, June Carter Cash, and some of her really sweet friends, but as her family and friends would say, she treated everyone exactly the same. She would go to these famous places and, you know, the White House or whatever, and she would come back and know the servants' names more than the people that she'd rub shoulders with that were powers and um, movers and shakers. Ruth Bell Graham is the woman that I want to grow up to be like. She was beautiful. She thought it was very important as Christians that we don't look dowdy, that non-believers would be attracted to us because of our winsome ways, but also our attractive appearance. Her mother taught her that, that Christians need to look their best. They need to look as fashionable and modest, but fashionable as possible. Um, she was an amazing mother. She gave her life for her children and stayed off the international stage to sacrifice for her children and her grandchildren and then her great-grandchildren. She introduced me to the uh, Children's Story Bible by Ruth Bell Graham. I'm sorry, by Catherine Voss, I should say, and um, recommended that book so highly, and it is the reason that I recommend it and love it as well. She's just influenced me in so many ways because she's so articulate, she's so well-read, and everything she writes, she's referring to great classic hymns and heroes of the faith and other missionaries and the classics of Christian literature and devotional writing. I cannot recommend her to you enough. And if you haven't met her, let me introduce Ruth Bell Graham. 
Thanks for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be great. Visit my website, Carol Joy Side. Side is spelled S-E-I-D, and Carol has an E at the end, caroljoyside.com, to subscribe to the monthly newsletter and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings.